Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Oh, well, start again. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's carry on. Go on, then. The shambolic beginning to what will probably be a shambolic podcast. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. And, uh, yeah, I'm back off my holly bobs. Thank God. Well done Thank last week. God. No, no. If anyone thinks that what you do is easy, they're wrong. It is one of the hardest things that I've ever done. It's Ugh. just talking into a stick, you know what I mean? That's oh, yeah, just talking into a stick. Hum- humble brag, Tim, humble brag. <laughs> uh, we, we did the opener about three times last week, and that's the best one that we had. <laughs> well, the one we just did wasn't particularly good, so there you go. Well, anyway, I'm Tim, and, and that's JB. And um, Phil, notable by his absence. Yeah. Now, you're probably going to ask what's happened to Phil. Um, we're not going to tell you because, well, I don't know if we'd get into trouble, but let's just put it this way. He's had a uh, an encounter with Her Majesty's Constabulary, so he can't make it today, and we're not, not going to say anything more than that. <laughs> I did wonder because there was a rumour flying around that actually, basically, his body had become such a wreck <laughs> that as a last roll of the dice, he's been put forward in a in an exploratory new programme to create a human robot hybrid <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, replacing um, his shoulders and legs with uh, robotic n- limbs yeah well I'd like that to be the case but he is in a spot of bother so um, we'll just leave, leave him alone for now and maybe in a few podcast time we'll get him back but not this week oh well uh, but no, I've not had the pleasure of meeting CJ, but from what I heard on the podcast, he uh, seems like a good egg. I will give you a little bit of a clue about CJ. When Phil comes up with all his uh, facts and figures, a lot of them come from CJ. He writes on a betting website. Wow. There you go. Good. Well, I, I do feel inadequate that with you, JB, and with him, CJ, I don't have a two initial name. I know. It's, a, it's not great, is it? I need to sort this out. But anyway, listen, there's still plenty to talk about. Um, a lot of it reflective because, let's face it, the big action of the Northern Hemisphere rugby season is now over. Yeah, great weekend. Yeah, amazing weekend. We've got plenty of international stuff to look forward to. And there is the small matter of, depending on when you're listening to this, the playoff final to see who will be joining the 11 Premiership sides uh, next season, will it be? Well, I mean, it looks like being London Welsh. The billion-dollar mistake. I know. God, that, that could be a, that could really blow up in their face, couldn't it? Dwayne Peel, Perenisi going to uh... whose face is it actually blowing up in though? Because he's still a billionaire, and uh, Peel and Ryan Jones are playing against Bedford next year, or wh- mm-hmm. whoever it is that they play against. Mosley, yeah, 
Yeah, it's a funny one. That we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, like I say, almost all over in the Northern Hemisphere, the big finals are done and dusted. And you watched all of them, JB. I, I will confess that I watched all of them, but kind of in and slipping in and out of consciousness as I was sort of suffering with jet lag. No, oh, I see. Trying to stay awake. But I did see a lot of it. Um, Start with the top 14 final then. Yeah, the top 14 Too final. long cast was very top 14-ish, if that makes any sense, which is very, very powerful, but not that exciting. Now, here's something really interesting about the top 14. They mentioned um, the number eight, I think his name, and I know I'm going to get this wrong, I think his name is Classens, yeah. the, the number eight. And his, his old man used to play for South Africa. Uh, in fact, I think he used to captain South Africa. And he is moving from... Um, from Cast, and he's going over to Racing Metro. Now, the reason that's interesting is because, from well, from what I gleaned from the commentary, all of the Racing Metro coaching staff were, were last year's Cast coaching staff, which makes it even more amazing that Cast got to a second semi-final mm-hmm. when they had a whole new, uh, a whole new backroom team. Final, even. Of course, last year. Sorry, did I? What yeah, I you said semi-final. Sorry, oh, sorry. final, final. Yeah, they, yeah. Got to, they got to a second final last year. They beat Toulon. This year, they didn't quite. Uh, have the firepower to do that again. No one was beating Johnny. No. It was written in the stars. There's something just about his life that's just poetic, isn't it? It is. And Yeah, I think poetic nails it. To go from the highs which he was at for the World Cup and then four years not playing and then to build it back up again and have the double of the Heineken Cup and now the top 14 is really quite spectacular. Uh, and even more spectacular was to have that French crowd singing God Save the Queen. Did, I didn't see that. Oh, as a, wow! As a tribute to him, at the end they sung uh, the French crowds sung "God Save the Queen." Wow! Yeah, that's incredible. And I mean, right? He he is. Uh, and I heard the debate last week where CJ was saying he's overrated. <laughs> <laughs> where CJ described him as an Emil Heskey of rugby. <laughs> he did the best with the talent he had. <laughs> uh, he he is a legend. He will go down in folklore. He will be regarded as one of the great players. Ever. I'm already writing a folk song about him, actually. I'll be releasing that soon. But that's looking at the span of his whole career. In terms of his career at Toulon, two back-to-back Heineken Cup titles, I mean, that's a ma- massive achievement. But he, he was the first to admit he did that with a star-studded team. A domestic title as well. But has he had such a big impact on Toulon? Has he been such a legend purely just at Toulon that, they're re- that they should indeed, as they are, retire the number 10 shirt? No one will ever wear the number 10 shirt at Toulon again. Sorry? They're retiring the number no, 10 No, they're not. That's Talon. not true. Is, are you serious? Unless it's a wind-up. Are Talon... you reading that from The Onion or uh, The Daily Mash? <laughs> as far as I understand it, Toulon are retiring the not... number 10 jersey. I don't think you're allowed to. I don't think you're allowed to change numbers. And I'll tell you why I don't think you're allowed to change numbers. Because Leicester used to be known as the ABC Club. And they tried to change numbers one, two, three. In fact, they tried to change all the numbers to letters again. As you know, a doff of the cap to the good old days. And they weren't allowed to do it. So I'd be amazed if you're allowed to take the number 10 out. Well, I know that every single jersey that was worn in the final game at the weekend, the sort of 14 final, had on the inside of the collar, Mercy Johnny stitched no. inside it. Every single player had that. And they've said they want to. You're right. Oh, they my. haven't said they will, but they want the uh, Murad Bujalal, uh, the chairman of Toulon, the owner, says he wants to retire the number 10 jersey if he can. That'd be hilarious. And also... How what? How would the future ten take that? You know, the, the next world class ten probably going to be Dan Carter who, who shows up there next, and he's not allowed to wear the ten jersey. That's not going to go down, down well. He's got to wear sixteen, or maybe he'd wear the letter J. 
<laughs> let's JW. Let's assume that um, it, they can do it. Like from what you're saying, they probably won't be allowed to. But let's just say they can. Would that be a fitting tribute, or would that be? Let's take the romance out of this for a second. A little bit over the top. Let's talk like a reactionary politician for a second and say it's the thin end of the wedge. Because as soon as they do that for Johnny, who's to say they won't do it for? I don't know. Who who is there in, in English rugby with similar stature? Well, there's only Johnny, really. There's only him. Yeah, or like, some, like retiring Sam Warburton seven if he wins a World <laughs> Cup or something. No, yeah. they can't do that. But they, I tell you where they do it all. What, what's that? Oh, what's that? I don't know. Is, is that Phil saying he's uh, he's used up his one phone call? He has used up his one phone call. Oh, and, dear. Uh, oh he, apparently he's smuggled in a phone somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Excellent. We'll um, keep you up to date. If uh, JB's phone goes off, we'll let you know what's happening with Phil. <laughs> um, I think right. I think he's been a legend, right? In, in over his career, he's won a World Cup. He's won two Heineken Cup titles. He's won the English division. He's won the French top division. Uh, he's been loved and had a massive impact and been a true professional wherever he's gone. But he has been at Toulon for, what, four years? Yes. And uh, uh, retiring a jersey. When you look at other sports that have done that, M- Michael Jordan. Did they retire his? They retired the number have 23 they jersey. Back, I think the NBA retired the number 23 jersey, so no player in the NBA can wear the number no, 23. No, that can't be right. I believe that's right. Wow. And, I know they... and Wayne Gretzky in ice hockey had his jersey retired. There must be players the in the LA America. Kings. Uh, or the Edmonds and Oilers. I'm not sure which one, Jay. Well, come on, Tim. Call yourself a sports fan. But there must be one in American football where they've done that. Oh, there's done loads that. in American football. Uh, they'll probably retire Brett Favre's jersey, number four. Four, yeah, thank you. Um, and I'm sure they've retired someone else's re- recently as well. But but in American football, it's relatively common. But when you've got 99 numbers, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't really matter, does it? And you've only got 52 players. I think the big difference is they actually have genuine squad numbers, wherein, whereas in rugby, you're mandated to have 1 to 15 playing, well, at the start of every 15, game. Yeah. So we'll see if they, they do that. But the, I hope they do. That'd be, that'd be quite cool, actually. It, yeah, uh, whatever you say, the, the guy is just something special and yes he made the most of the talent he had yes he was also phenomenally talented Cristiano Ronaldo has made the most of the talent he has yeah. it doesn't make him any less talented player absolutely and I completely agree with you and uh, well, as, as for the game itself it was like you say pragmatic powerful Toulon winning in much the same way as they beat Saracens not necessarily pretty but just no. power no it isn't the one thing you'd say about Toulon is it isn't the it isn't the most they could do with the talent they have uh, in terms of aesthetically pleasing rugby. Yeah. yeah. But, okay, fine. Interesting point was made uh, on Twitter. And you can always get in touch at Rugby Podcast on Twitter, but an interesting tweet sums up French rugby. There were as many Scots in the cast starting 15 <laughs> as there were French players in the Toulon 15. Okay, we're talking Richie Gray and we're talking Tom or Max Evans, one of the Evans boys. Yeah. Well done, Scotland. I saw something interesting today. Um, it was an article about South Africa, and they've called for this guy called Richie Gray to, to help them train. So immediately I thought, oh, Richie Gray, maybe they're doing some line-out practice, or maybe they're using that big body for something use, uh, useful for a change. No, Richie, Richie Gray is a coach, and he's invented something called, I think it's called the Contact Master. Have, have you seen this thing? No. He's invented all these little machines for the breakdown and they're absolutely fascinating so like one is like a, one is like a sled with loads of padding on and you've got to ruck against it whilst other men st- stand on it and it's at an angle and they were trying to explain the other one which is a sand filled steel pipe and when you hit it it causes a chain reaction to then 
make resistance or something. It sounds crazy, but he's got five or six machines and they're all made, made by Rhino. Big plug for Rhino and Richie Gray there. Nice. But he, he's been uh, recruited by South Africa. Send Jay a contact machine or whatever it is. Exactly. For your back garden, that'll wreck your lawn. Uh, well, Murad Boujalal isn't resting on his laurels after back-to-back Heineken Cup championships because he is saying, well, they've already made their, their signings for next season, including Gore Godzer, Voslu, James O'Connor uh, and others. Halfpenny? Halfpenny, Lee Halfpenny, of course. But he's saying that he doesn't want to rest on his laurels and he wants to sign what he describes as the Fantastic Four. He says he wants the four best players in the world to join Toulon. Now, the speculation is that what he means by this is for the 2015-16 season, so post the World Cup, which would therefore open up pretty much anyone in the world because a lot of players... Is that what he's saying? Is that what he wants them for? That's what he's thought to mean by that because I think the signings for next season have all been pretty much finalised. So the Fantastic Four, he's basically saying he wants the four best players in the world. Who, Who are the four best players in the world? I've Which thought, players does he mean? Which are the fantastic four that he wants and he will bear any expense to get to Toulon? Well, within the salary cap, obviously, Tim. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, within legal means. Within, within purely legal means. Uh, I've thought about this long and hard. And it might be it might be an indictment of how competitive the modern game is that I can't really think of anyone that really stands out. Well, I mean, assuming it's post-World Cup, Richie McCaw. Would you? Yeah. Okay. Dan Carter. Yes. Although he hasn't played. Boudreau describes them as unplayable. Oh, now, the, the four players that he wants. Yeah. Well, I've, I've got a few other suggestions. Go on. Kieran Reid. Absolutely, that, that's one. Definitely. Uh, and, and sticking with uh, the back row slash second row, Eben Etzebeth, South African. I thought that one. Awesome player. Uh, Bismarck Duplessis. Yep. As a hooker, what a player. And then I was going through other players, I was thinking, well... I'll give you one. Sonny, Sonny Bill Williams. Oh, that's a really good show. And he's also got some history there as well, hasn't mm. he? Sonny Bell's a good shout. Yeah, that's a really good shout. I mean, obviously, with, we're looking for the fourth player to go with your holy trinity of Andy Goo, Jack Berger and Charlie Hodgson. <laughs> that goes without saying, Jay. I'll give you one, which I don't think you've, you've considered. Maybe you have. How about Danny Kerr? Interesting. Who is better than Danny Kerr at the moment? In their position... In, in, the, in, the in the world of rugby at Scrum Half. Will Genya, maybe. Will but... Genya's fallen off a cliff. Well, it's that's an interesting shout, and actually, that that is an area of need for so me. Toulon. So me and Phil were watching the game before he got into his unfortunate legal troubles, and um, we, as Phil does, he got a little spreadsheet out to work out where, where they were weak. So we think it's a number eight. So that's Kieran Reid because Reed. they're losing Van Nierkirk yeah. and they're losing some um, Rousseau. Yeah. So they have got someone else in and back row players. Armitage is Model getting Gorgodza. Gorgodza's coming in. Yeah. A loose head prop. So we're thinking one of the South African boys. The beast. The beast. Well, yeah, yeah that's, 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 that's exactly who we thought. Yeah. I tell you what, if you're or talking about Healy. the actual best players in the world at yeah. where, where they are, you can't look much further than George North. I, I, he's not going anywhere because of his contract, mm. but you, he is definitely the best winger in the world. Mm. Well, I say definitely. There's three of them, isn't it? I say him, Surveyor, and Falau. Mike Brown. Mike Brown is definitely up there. Uh, Jamie Heaslip? Not so much. Israel- Not, have you seen his new haircut, by the way? Mm. What, do, what, what do you think of this, Tim? You're, you're down with the kids with your uh, you know, radio job and the rest of it. What do you think of the, um, the high and tight haircut? Yeah, I'm really, really not a fan of this. Would the, you consider the, the shaved, the shaved all up the sides and then like the side parting, Danny Care style? I really, I'm not a fan. Do you consider it a scourge and a scar on the face of modern society? 
it's just what people do, isn't it? There's there's a there's a trend and people go with it. Uh, but it's the Kim Jong Un haircut. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> well, I'd they're just copying uh, North Korea's great leader, um, <laughs> dictatorship, dicta- uh, d- dictator chic. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Danny Kerr was one of the first rugby players to get it. Wow, but what it, a groundbreaker! It, but it is just a spate. It is a spate, and I think it's one of those haircuts, and this happens a lot. Prison haircut. At, at the time, it look you think it looks good and it's trendy. You look back 10 years afterwards and think, what on earth was I doing? I know. I, I went back to play uh, for Colwyn Bay uh, maybe six weeks ago now. And the opposite, opposition team, I did know, were full of, young, full of young kids. And they all had these floppy, you know, shaved at the sides and floppy hair. Mm. God, I felt old. Ma Nonu would be one more I'd throw into the mix. Uh, I don't know. He played very well, very well this weekend. Mm. Um, but is he the best? In all? Yeah, probably. probably. Is he unplayable? Is. Mm, I'm not so sure he's unplayable. I'm not sure he's a better 12 than, for instance, Gitto is. Oh, he had a good game. He did, he did. Once again. So that's the top 14 anyway. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see which fantastic four Murad Boujalal is talking about. He'll be, he, get, he tends to get whoever he wants. And on to the Premiership final then. And two teams that were so well matched that very nearly, well, it did go all the way. It went into injury time. The, the final player of the match after extra time, won it for Northampton Saints. And Oof. I was really pleased for Northampton Saints. I'm delighted for them. I mean, it's a really, a really tough one for me. I, I, I would have cheered either way because obviously I want Jack Berger to, to win anything. Yeah, of course. Um, but on the other hand, Northampton just seemed to deserve it. Mm. You know, their whole history, they've never won a, a premiership or a, you know the top league what, um, in whichever coronation it was in. In addition, they are they're running the right way. They don't have a, a wealthy benefactor. They're profitable. They've been profitable for the last fifteen seasons. I know. They're one of only I think it's two, I think, two well, or three, possibly three. Leicester, uh, Gloucester, Northampton is what I seem to think it is. I think Exeter Chiefs as well. Oh, run, Exeter run, Chiefs, yeah. run at a run at a profit. So there's only a few. There's only a handful of teams that actually operate at a profit. And like you say, Northampton Saints have done that year on year on year on year. They don't it, spend beyond their means. No, nope. uh, they don't have any particularly creative ways of uh, getting around the salary cap that other teams appear to from the outside at least and they've got a great academy and, and a lot of the players that were instrumental in them winning and a lot of the players that came off the bench and made an impact were players that have come through at Northampton and uh, one of those who's going now on the tour with England to New Zealand Alex Waller with that with that final try. Now, Alex Waller on this, the loose head prop, he's got one of those faces, um, <laughs> like an eight-year-old kid. You know, kids at a wedding, and you've got your wedding coming up in a few weeks, mm. they have like a can of Coke and they have a bit of cake and they go a bit mental and they go sprinting <laughs> They go sprinting round for, a, for an hour and then their faces become red and flushed and they sweat. That's what Alex Waller looks like when he plays rugby. Uh, I don't know what Alex Waller looks like. Alex Waller look, looks like a hero. Um, did you see Corbett Sierra attempt to scrimmage on the weekend? Mm-hmm. My word, it was not pleasant. I thought he had a decent game. Oh, Corbizier. behave. Behave, you don't mean that. I do. I thought him, Tom Wood, were and dreaming? Courtney Laws were excellent. He was terrible. I mean, uh, in open play, it's easy to say, oh, he's all right. But you know, he, he dropped one ball. Anyone can drop a ball. In the scrimmage, he got battered. Matt Stevens took him to the woodshed, gave him some two by four, sent him home. It was horrendous <laughs> to watch. He was, he was going sideways. He was coming in pretty much 90 degrees on... Um, on Matt Stevens, not because that was his choice to come in 90 degrees, it's because Matt Stevens was just beating him up. And this is the same guy that came in and made that impact for the British Lions and was so, was lauded after that. Well, I don't think it's his fault. I think it's the fault of the coaching staff for throwing him, throwing him in uh, so soon after 
Yeah, he's only. I think he's only played four games this season. I think last game last season he played fifteen games or something. No, it wasn't even that many. It's less because if you look at how many, it's amazing. He went on the Lions tour with so few games under his belt last season, um, and I think they made a real mistake putting him on. They should have started with Waller because when Waller came on, yeah, he was going sideways too, but nothing like the way that Alex Corbusier was. Nothing like it. So um, I thought Northampton got got away with the uh, scrum quite quite, quite well, often. I was glad they won in the end because it was three tries to one. And you made the point on last week's podcast when I wasn't here that Saris are a well-oiled machine but possibly lacked a little bit of a spark. And in the biggest games, they've been exposed for, for that. They have some. They have creative players, but they're not a creative well, unit. They're an if they're a they're kind of rely on power and, and efficiency and just grinding teams down and strangling them rather than winning games. If we were to talk in American football parlances, you would call Saracens a, a scheme team. So they rely on their scheme, whereas Northampton, yeah, they certainly have a scheme and a game plan, but they've mm-hmm. got some great individuals too. And I think it's the difference between building a team to win a league, which is where you need depth and big squad, and building a team to win a playoff, where that Northampton team, all their money is in that starting 15, and you know it, it works well. When they have all their players, Northampton have been remarkably lucky this year to have so many players playing so frequently, because often injuries will just devastate a squad. And I don't think they're particularly... Well, they missed deep. Corbusier all season, for one. Yeah, That's a really crucial position. It is, but... Unfortunately, they've got Alex Waller coming through. Otherwise, they could have been in a pickle. So Courtney Laws and Tom Wood were just awesome. Tom Wood has stepped up his game. I don't know if he stepped up his game or we've just noticed him more because we watched him very, very closely for the last two weeks. But yeah, Tom Wood is awesome. i tell you the other guy who I've got huge amounts of uh, respect for now is... Uh, it's Dickinson. Is it Alex Dickinson? Sam Dickinson. Sam, Sam Dickinson, right. thank you. Best signing of the season. Wow. Comfortably. By, that... by a country mile. He came from Rotherham in the championship last year. He hits like a hammer. He runs like a train. He's just absolutely awesome. Uh, if, if anyone, if you, if you can name a better signing, and I'm even including George North or any big name signing, if you can name a better signing, a, more, a shrewder, more effective bit of business than Sam Dickinson going from Rotherham in the championship to Northampton Saints and being a key member of the side that has won two trophies. But that's what they do. They, they buy the best players and the worst teams. Luther Borrell. Yeah. Not wanted, not loved by sale, not played. And uh, they t- they've they've helped him turn into a, a comfortable international player. I didn't realise how much I liked Luther Borrell until on... Uh... On Saturday, Phil pointed out that I kept on going crazy when he got the ball. Mm-hmm. Luth, go Luth, big Luth, big Luth. <laughs> then I started singing "The Luth is on fire." <laughs> yeah, he again a, a great signing. Right, unfortunately though, we're going to return to that old topic of TMOs referees, which has, I mean, he's blighted too strong a word this season. All I, all I will say is I, I'm I'm glad for the use of technology, and I think that, that anything which gets the right decision I'm 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 good with uh, but I wasn't happy with a couple of incidents let's talk about the final decision first right decision yeah yes absolutely Alex Wallace scored that try now JP Doyle went to the TMO and that's absolutely fine earlier in the season the same two guys uh, combined I think it was London Irish against Leicester Graham Hughes was about to say give London Irish a try that's fair enough that was a backwards pass JP Doyle just went, I've seen it, don't worry, I've decided that's forward, scrum Leicester, no try. JP Doyle was about to do the same thing again. We could have had a massive controversy on our hands yeah. because if you if you watch that carefully, the final moments, 
JP Doyle, after watching the replay on the big screen and asking Graham Hughes to give a decision, he starts saying, well, that's inconclusive as far as I'm concerned. I'm not awarding it. And Graham Hughes, on this occasion, obviously went, realised what the stakes were. And before JP Doyle could say, I don't want to award it, he went, it was a try. Give, give the try. And he said it with enough conviction that JP Doyle was convinced. But JP Doyle was about to disallow that try. I'm telling you, that's what he was about to do. I agree with you, but... Anyone who's listened to this podcast before knows I'm not a huge fan of officials. And I don't like the whole structured rule thing as if they work for the health and safety executive. However, I think in this case, that's kind of how the TMO should really work, which is there shouldn't be any, any structure. If, if, you want, if, if, you, if you want to ask him something, fine. If you see something, fine. As long as the decision is correct, I'm not really bothered how it comes. Well, well, exactly. But comes I, this is what I would say: in previous weeks and in previous matches and earlier in this season, the TMOs have stayed tight-lipped. And on those occasions where the referee hasn't gone for their decision, and you suspect that they would have given a different decision, they've just kept stum. And I applaud Graham Hughes for actually being really assertive and going, not listening to JP Doyle and going, "Oi, no, it's a try." Mm. which they haven't done and I, and I say fine if, if, that, if that's the, the remit and that's the the TMO can be forceful and can throw their case if they disagree with the ref it doesn't have to go with the referee and had the Graham Hughes just sat back and let JP Doyle make the decision we would have been sat here saying how could they how could JP Doyle ruin a final by not giving that try exactly well I don't know what you think about this but in my opinion there doesn't seem to be any remit of how you use TMOs it's, ba- yeah. it's basically I will do whatever I want with the TMO and they you know they, they can assist in, in whichever way possible thank god Graham Hughes did give that give that a try what about the Owen Farrell try or disallowed try well, was it, what, it, again it, it wasn't oh, it wasn't a try well hold on Owen Farrell scored a try he got injured I love right? that bit I, I love that so much right uh, so Owen Farrell got injured JP Doyle was happy with the try. It was only disallowed because Owen Farrell was injured and to fill time, the TV cameras were showing the, inc- <sighs> the, showing the try again. Yeah. JP Doyle saw the replay and went, actually, I think I better have a look at that. And then when he went to the TMO, it was the TMO who said, uh, JP, I think you should have a look at that pass. It yeah. wasn't JP Doyle going to the TMO going, could you please check that pass? It was the other way round. It and is that... annoying if you're Saracens, but it's the right decision. It, yeah, okay, fair enough. The right, the, right right, the right decision was made, but the, the, the way that they got there would... I tell you what would annoy me. Annoyed, annoyed me. If there was an off-the-ball incident and someone threw an elbow or something, and he goes, JP, you need to revisit that, that elbow or something. I mean, I don't have any time for that nonsense. Well, TJ's can do, uh, assistant referee sorry, can do that. From, uh... Yeah, Amazing, isn't it? Uh, Wayne Barnes stayed muzzled. I thought it'd be a, a frisbeeing yellow cards from the side. He was trying to let the boys play, JB. No, he was not. He hates let, letting the boys play. He hates rugby. Well, anyway, well done to uh, Northampton Saints. Yeah. yeah. What, what, by the way, what, what's, what's the deal with Graham Hughes? Have you ever seen him in, in the light? Is he photophobic? <laughs> I think he's, he was, I don't know what the opposite of agoraphobic. He only likes being in a small, confined do reckon, space. Do you reckon that after the game, they go in there, they put like a, a protective blindfold on him so he's not yeah. exposed to the sun and put him back in his cave? Yeah, exactly. He's like. With uh, a rule book. They calm animals down by putting. <laughs> Putting blinkers. Black, putting blinkers or putting like a black thing on their head, it, it calms them as they transport them around. That's what Graham Hughes does. Goes from a Viva Premiership ground. In fact, they could probably just like get a, a crane and just lift the little box he's in onto the back of a lorry, <laughs> Carting him take around. it with the broadcast trucks to the next live game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what they do. It's fact. 
Uh, right, and we've saved the biggest final till last, the Pro 12 Rabo Direct. Yeah. What a final. Wow. Now, I will just say at this point, and it's particularly you and your disparaging comments about the Pro 12, we've got some stick. You've got some stick. Particularly I have got some me, stick. And for, for not respecting the Rabo Pro 12. Yeah. Now... Maybe, maybe I deserve a little bit of banter for this, but Stephen O'Neill uh, tweeted us and said something along the lines of... <laughs> well, one of a few people, because find. there's been a lot of people that in the over the past months have been saying, come on, guys, why aren't you talking about the Pro 12? Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, part, mainly because we... Well, we don't watch it. We don't really watch it. Here's, and, here's the thing. If you like the Pro 12... There's a strong correlation with enjoying Pro 12 rugby and being Irish. And there's a good reason for this, uh, which is because the Irish teams are really, really good and they're well run. And, you know, they're, they're a credit to what they do. They're, they're, they're really, they really are very good. The problem with the Pro 12, though, is the rest of it's rubbish. Like, it really is awful. So I'm Welsh and I take no enjoyment from watching the Welsh teams whatsoever because they're rubbish. And they're continue, continually lo- losing their players. Not only are they losing their players, it, you know, there's turmoil in Wales now. The Welsh squad is centrally contracted. They've got a, a huge squad of one player. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's an absolute farce. So I thought I'd pull up, pull up some numbers of why you would not watch the Pro 12. And I think Come on, then. it's not just me who doesn't want to watch the Pro 12. It's the fans as well. Now, the average Pro 12 attendance, right, is 12,754 a game. That's quite good, yeah? Yeah, that's not bad. That's, that's, I think that's, that's as good as the Premiership, surely. Yeah, e- easily. Except when you realise that that is made up of 19,000 a week going to Leinster and 14,000 go- uh, 14, a week going to Munster, a further 10,000 a week going to Ulster. When you look down after that, it's pretty sad until it gets all the way down to, ze- to Zebra where it's about 1,000 people a game. So if you take out the the Irish teams, who are absolutely fantastic, what you're left with is pretty ropey. It'd be like having the top four in the Premiership in the Championship week in, week out. And it's reflected as well in the fact that of the winners of the Pro 12, uh, I think eight of them, or maybe nine of them, have been Irish. Five of them have been Welsh. And the other two nations, which are Scotland and Italy, have won zero, zero between them. The Italians have had... I think it's one team disbanded, which is which is a, a Roni. I think the Italian teams are also leaving short, short, shortly as well. Scotland consolidated, didn't they, into just two yeah. regions from three or four? Yeah, because because uh, the borders went. Yeah. So the borders were set up, and then and then, and then they went bankrupt. The Celtic Warriors were uh, went bankrupt. This is a league originally so ill-conceived that when it was first set up, there was only... Sorry, there was an odd number of teams, which meant that every week there's one team which couldn't play. And also, it didn't have, it, uh, it didn't have a sponsor t- until the 11th hour. If you want to know why we don't particularly like the, the Pro 12, that is why. Now, but there is light at the end, of the end of the tunnel, Tim. Is there, Jay? Go on. There is, which is every year the... Pro, the Pro 12 has had increasing attendances. This year is the first year that it's got over a million spectators. And it's nice to see as well that the teams which are left seem to be consolidating now. So the Irish, the, the Italian teams are leaving, but the Scottish teams for sure are, are getting better. Glasgow played very, very well all season. They were overpowered by, by Leinster at the end. But if you, think, if you think about what we've just said, that, w- that was to be expected. 
basically what the Pro 12 needs is for the Welsh to get their acts together and actually put out a decent product. And until that happens, unfortunately, we're going to carry on not really watching the Pro 12. Mm. It's, it's a case well put and well made, but it's with respect. Yeah. Undoubtedly, it's with respect. Now, there was one person kind of flopped out of international, out of rugby at the weekend. It's, well, it wasn't the poetic ending. I suppose it was a poetic ending to his international career with mm. that brilliant Paris-France uh, win for Brian O'Driscoll, but... Uh, nine, oh, yeah. mi- nine minutes of a pro, Rabo Pro 12 direct final, and he got injured and went off, albeit to a standing ovation. And they were still more than powerful enough to, to beat Glasgow, and they beat them quite comfortably in the end. In the end. Yeah. Uh, well, on, on the, just on the subject of Brian O'Driscoll, if, if Johnny Wilkinson is, is this iconic legend who won everything, mm-hmm. where, where, how far below him, or is he side by side, or even above, where, where does Brian O'Driscoll sit? In the pantheon of greats. Um, well, the thing about Brian O'Driscoll is he's never. This is, I'm going to get sl- slated for this. I don't think he's done what Johnny did in in international rugby. He's also not. It's, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because well, Brian O'Driscoll did that, win a Lions Test series. Uh, Jonathan Davis won a Lions <laughs> Test series. <laughs> Let's not forget that. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, who knows if he hadn't been dropped, dro- dropped on his head in New Zealand? You know, mm. it, it, it might it might have been better if he hadn't been injured um, uh, in Australia. Again, it might have been better. Uh, that's if only he'd been a... born a New Zealander, yeah. then it would certainly. Exactly. Have been better. I tell you what, if he hadn't been dropped on his head in New Zealand, we wouldn't have all these stupid rules about going past the horizontal. That's his fault. <laughs> so I kind of blame I kind of blame him for that too. There again, he has won a, um, a lot of European Cups. He's mm. been an outstanding player. I don't. I think if Johnny Wilkinson is the at the top of the hill, he's probably I don't know the next level below. I think the fact Johnny Wilkinson has won a final, and the way he won it, he was the key player in the best team the Northern Hemisphere has ever produced, and then he's gone to a final. Um, you can't really ask for much more, much more than that. Mm. We're going to return to the only tournament that is still actually ongoing as at the time that we record this podcast right now. But from going from the Rabo Pro 12 Direct, it seems appropriate to go from there to initiate another member of... Banter Squadron! Banter Squadron exists to recognise achievements and efforts in banter that make rugby the game we love and cherish so much. There is something special about rugby players. They have they have a level of banter and a kinship with the, the everyman that means... The everyman that drives a Range Rover and wears tweed. <laughs> they have a kinship. And it has a barber jacket and one of those seats that folds out into a little with a little spike That's on the right. end. That you and they're like the having picnics in car parks. And chocolate Labradors. Yes, kinship, <laughs> I tell you. There, there is something about rugby players that makes them special and makes them different. And... It's important to us as part of the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast that we celebrate players who go above and beyond when it comes to rugby banter. The people that we've initiated so far have been the Honey Badger, Nick Cummins. I didn't realise this tune was so delightful like a minute in. It's lovely, isn't it? It is nice. It's been Joe Marler as well. He's in Banter Squadron. And I want to put forward that Irish international, British lion, Munsterman, Donica O'Callaghan should be initiated into Banter Squad. Ah! Here's what I here's why. Cause when I first mentioned this to you earlier, JB, you were like, really? Donald Graham Callahan, really? Well, he's renowned as been a bit daft, I guess. He's a bit of a prankster. He yeah. likes he likes a bit of a laugh, but this is part of it, I think. 
So he once, with a box of cornflakes, enticed 12 ducks into an island team meeting. (laughs) (laughs) That's excellent. When playing in France uh, after a game, after a a match for Ireland in France, uh, or sorry, for Munster, whilst playing in Europe in France, he, he adopted a lobster. So in the restaurant, it said in the menu... Uh, lobster, 30 euros, 42 euros cooked. So he went, oh, what, you mean I can just adopt, I can just buy a lobster? So he bought a lobster and then took it with him as his pet. Wow. He played in a pair of red pants. There's that amazing footage, I think it's from about 1996, where Munster are playing in Europe and uh, his socks rip, his shorts rip, and he tries to carry on playing just in a pair of red pants. I've not seen that. It's a brilliant clip. I'll put it. I'll tweet it at Rugby Podcast. Uh, it's worthy of him being in Banter Squadron alone. Wow. And he plays on, and the referee has to stop and say, no, you've got to put some shorts on. And it's, uh, it's Let really, the really boys good. play. Let the boys play. Uh, he also, and um, I think this is brilliant, I'm going to play you a little clip of Donica O'Callaghan being asked. There's two things, actually, I want to talk about here. Here he is being asked... Who's the best singer? Best singer, um, to be fair, is Damien Barley, nicknamed Susan Boyle. Without being harsh to Susan Boyle, she probably be not the best looking, but an incredible singer. Like a Bolton. bit like our Damien. He looks like he's been kicked around the place, and then he opens his mouth, and it's the voice of an angel. Face of a chewed dog, a melted bucket. <laughs> <laughs> a melted bucket. <laughs> Voice of an angel, face of a melted bucket. Wait, 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 he said a chewed something. I'll oh, scrap that analogy. Melted bucket. Melted bucket. I just thought that was a beautiful, beautiful description. But more than that, and here's what I think. I mean, this isn't banter so much. I just think this is a lovely, lovely sentiment. What a guy this guy is. Here's how he answers Which this isn't question. a bad thing. Oh, hold on. He's asked the question, what has been the highlight of your year? So this is the season that's just gone. What's, what was the highlight of your year? Highlight of the year, I suppose, um, you know, as an Irish per- person watching the, the Six Nations was great. And that's the bit that sticks out for me. The, the, the last game in France, going down to the wire and just the lads having the... <laughs> sorry. Ha- having the balls to get across the line. And, and uh, I watched that at home. I, I've never been this proud to be Irish. And just the lift that gave the whole place, it was... It was brilliant. That was my highlight. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. What a guy. Right. So, so he's he's a pro, he's an Irish international. He won he he would want a place in that squad. And how many players would have responded by going on oh, Munster when we beat so and so? He said the highlight of his whole year was being a fan of the Ireland team and he would have been bitterly disappointed he wasn't in yeah. the squad watching them win the Six Nations. I just thought when I heard that I thought what a bloke. You dozed off watching the Aviva final, yeah? Yeah. Well, I dozed off watching the Bavarians game, as any decent rugby fan should do. And then so they said something, and it made me sit up, bolt upright. And what they said is about Donica O'Callaghan. They said, uh, he's had many highlights in his career, but playing for the Barbarians must top, top them all. I'm like, what? Are you serious? They must top it all? And the basis of this was, when he was a kid, his brothers, apparently his older brother played for... The Barbarians too, and it's a combined services. When they were in the back garden, one of them would play as Ireland, the other one would play, play as the Barbarians. Even so, Stuart Barnes, I doubt very much <laughs> that it is the highlight of, of that man's career. 
God loves Stuart Barnes. He always comes out with some gem or another. <laughs> well, it woke you up and got you to watch a bit more what? of the game. What? I what? Thought, I, I thought I thought I was having a dream. So he's he's a funny guy. He's he's a prankster. He's got a bit of banter, and he's just a good bloke. Can we please just agree uh, that Don Crow Callahan has a place in Banter Squadron? Ah! Well done, Donnacro Callahan. Not sure he'd want to be in Banter Squadron. It's very English, isn't it? It is so far, but we well, no, it's got well, an, no, it's no, got no, an no. Australian and Englishman. But, and but but the theme is very, very damn English, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll yeah. find some other music for him. Maybe, maybe, maybe. So Nick Cummins, Joe Marler, and now Donnacro Callahan. If you have a suggestion of someone you think deserves to get in at Rugby Podcast, is where you can find us on Twitter. Just to remind you, if you're I don't know for some reason dozed off at the beginning of a podcast. Um, Not be hours, surely. Have we got an update on Phil actually? Because I mean, it's just me, Tim, and him, JB, for the time being. Phil is, uh, well, he's, he's in the queue for the tuck shop uh, <laughs> at Her Majesty's pleasure. I yeah. understand he got himself in a spot of bother. He did, unfortunately. He's... Luckily, luckily, he's really muscly because that'll help him out in prison. Or will it? Oh, I don't know. Listen, um, have we come to the end? Oh, listen, there is. A couple more things to talk about. Let's just briefly touch on the the race for the final place in the Premiership. Have Bristol just completely ballsed it up? Who knows? It'll be interesting one on Wednesday. Nineteen points is a massive gap it is. for London Welsh to be starting. I, I literally have no idea who London Welsh have in their team. I know they have. Um, is it Ross? Gordon Ross. Gordon Ross, the fly half, who's kick, who kicked well apparently. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where it ends. For London me. Welsh I just played the conditions. Played the conditions much better. Bristol were not streetwise at all. Didn't look like a team that. I mean, when you actually look at the fifteen that Bristol had, good players, but you you aren't going. Oh yeah, that's the team of this billionaire owner that's going to get Bristol back to the top. I think they will get back to the top. Look at the signings they've made for next season: Dwayne Peel, Ryan Jones. Although he was playing the other night, um, Perinisi. But I I can't see I can't see Bristol. Can't Maybe see Bristol overturning that. Yeah, but that's, that's, I think that's a bitter blow to them if they miss out this year. Yeah. Well, bitter playoffs, they, they mess everything up. There's nothing certain anymore. Yeah, they've done it before. As, they've, as they've, Saracens. Yeah, they've been the favourites. Well, it, is Saracens' season a failure now? They were far and away the best team in England all year long. No, 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 no they weren't. They were not the best team. They were the best squad. Best. Oh, right, OK. But is their season, now they've lost two finals, deemed a failure? Like, yeah. Bristol's will be a failure if they don't get promoted. There are promoted. some teams, and when they fail, you just scratch your head and think, well, how can they improve? And a team that, you know, I'd put in that category would be Northampton. For the last two years, they've failed at, like, not the fi- if not the final hurdle, the, the, the hurdle before then. You look at this team, you think, who can they bring in? What can they do? Where, where, can, they, where can they strengthen? And the consensus for Northampton at the start of the season was they need new halfbacks and they brought in a giant winger and now they're champions. I think Saracens have just got to ca- carry, on, carry on plugging away because they can't reinvent the team. Mm. They probably don't have the, the salary cap to reinvent the team. It has to be classed as, um, as, as a failure, yeah. I think, that, I think they want more money put in their starting 15 and less throughout the squad and concentrate on just getting into the playoff finals rather than winning the league, which is, unfortunately, I think, what they what they ended up doing. Mm. Well, let's talk about something that's no, no laughing matter, but it's become a, quite a serious point. And, you know, we, we're going to keep the podcast going, by the way, through the off-season and we'll be getting into 
some of the topics surrounding rugby. Of course, there's the internationals to look forward to, the Southern Hemisphere tours for the uh, Six Nations sides. Um, but concussion has become a bit of a talking point. There was a, an amateur Irish rugby player who, at the age of 57, passed away. His family left his brain for scientific Uh-oh. purposes. They did some tests on it and said he died of, <clears throat> the. to put it in like not scientific words, punch drunk syndrome, where he just got too many big whacks on the head. Mm. And, uh, and, it, and it caused his death later on in life. Something that boxers undergo and something which it's been a big concern about concussion. There's been a lot said about it this year. Uh, concussion in rugby is, is a big issue. And Shantane, Harp, Shantane Happy, the former England international, uh, retired recently. He's playing at Montpellier in France. And uh, he basically retired saying, I've just had too many knocks on the head. It's not worth it. I, it was affecting my relationship with my kids. I was getting grouchy and I was getting too much pressure from the coaches to... He said he was getting to, his pin numbers and stuff like that, which is worrying. And that he, oh, yeah, gone. Sorry, Tim. No, no, not at all. No, it's exactly what he said. And uh, and he basically said that the coaches were putting too much pressure on him. They were giving him only a week out, whereas you know the recommendation is a month of doing nothing. But he never said anything. That's the other thing as well. Mm. He, he well, he, he said he wanted to justify his. He said he wanted to justify his salary. He was being paid a lot of money. He got knocked out, and then he wanted to try and justify well, his money. Well, that's all well and good, but you're not going to ju- justify your money if you're knocked out on the floor of a ruck. You're just not, you know, you're not going to do do anything there. Uh, and he did say when he finally said, "Look, I've got a problem here." Mm. I think it was something to do with they were in a team meeting, and he was pointed out as not rucking or being scared to go in. And he said, "The reason I wasn't in, or sorry, the reason that he wasn't involved and he's on the floor is because he was knocked out." So then they sent him to Montpellier Hospital, and they realised, "Christ, he's got um, some serious issues there." Uh, I mean, may I, I think it's a two two way street here. Players have got to be honest with the coaching medical staff. Having said that. There is a really worrying precedent for this in American football. Yeah, I, I thought you might have an, um, a, a, um, a perspective from American football because American football is is a game where a game pl- of concussions, pl- a game of concussions where players use their head, and it's within the laws to just use your head as the point of a spear, using your, the weight of your body and the force of your body all towards not, the head. Not anymore. It's not not as of this year or last year. So, for instance, running backs can't lower their helmets and that kind of thing. Um, the situation with the NFL is they have independent doctors on the sidelines now and you have to go through a what they call the concussion protocol to see if you're fit to go out and play again. So once you get a concussion, the danger isn't that concussion, it's the subsequent concussions, concussions afterwards. And you see this a lot in fighters, um, in the UFC or boxing, which is no, someone might not ever get knocked out and he gets knocked out once and then he goes out over and over and over again apparently something to do with the pituitary gland or something like that I don't know I'm not a doctor um, but that apparently is a danger it's the reoccurrence so once you have a brain tra- tra- trauma if, if you like because that's effect- effectively what they are you then need rest so the NFL mandate that you've got to do concussion tests um, and then an independent doctor has to sign you back to, to play again so a few years ago Aaron Rodgers who's probably the best quarterback in the world, um, was out for, I think, three or four weeks. And he wasn't allowed back until the independent doctor said, yeah, you can come back. Because uh, the NFL realised they've got a huge lawsuit on, on, on their case. Well, they already paid out $700 million. Uh, well, a settlement. Yeah, a settlement. A settlement, yeah. So I, the only thing I don't like about this, okay, is there are 
there are dangers to playing rugby. There's dangers you're going to break your arm, there's dangers you know, you're going to get a concussion, all the rest of it. But when you add up all the things which rugby give, gives to you as, um, as an individual, is it worth that risk? Now, I think that decision is solely for the individual to make, and I don't like it when individuals from outside the game start making start making noises oh it should be banned or oh uh, you know we need we need to change the game you know to the point that it doesn't resemble what we actually enjoy doing but Shantaine happy proactively went back with it the next week after f- suffering a concussion and as a result he suffered another concussion yeah, that's the problem. really easily and it happened to me in junior rugby when I was going through my county trials at like under 15 under 16 i got number of concussions one after the other I think three or four in, in a row and it was only my coach sort of saying you're sitting the next game out that, that stopped me from playing because obviously at that age I just, I just wanted to play yeah I mean and... I've, I've never been, been been knocked out ever so I don't really I don't really know what it's like but apparently once you have once you have the first one you can become susceptible to the second one and you know over and over and over again uh, there's a really good example of Florian Fritz being horribly mishandled because he was clearly concussed and they put him back out there I mean that shouldn't that should never happen I mean, I think there's some basic steps that they can take but I don't I hope this doesn't snowball into some uh, I'm going to use one cliche snowball into another cliche into a bandwagon uh, and then we uh... <laughs> just w- w- one thing I can um, I have a vague memory of not not a very strong memory but um, my mum tells me about back play for like a Barks Buckinghamshire and Dorset combined team against Devon and Cornwall or whatever um, or Somerset Devon and Cornwall I was playing in a game and I got concussed and I, I was completely had no short term memory and I was running over to the pitch, every uh, side of the pitch, every two minutes, going, "What number is on my back?" Really? What numbers on my back? I hadn't. I, I I was completely out of it. Completely just. Why do you want to know what numbers on your back? I don't know. Well, again, I think I was just going, "What what position am I?" So that when I went to scrums and lineouts, I knew where to go. See, I never had that problem because I was always sixteen. <laughs> well, now JB, you just you can play anywhere. You just see what gaps missing in, in a <laughs> yeah. team. Oh, it must be that position. I show up to practice uh, and I look around and I think, where are we weak this week? Where am I most likely to get a game? And that's what I do. Yeah. Well, I think that concussion one's going to rumble on and on. I mean, they brought in the five-minute concussion assessment, but oh, if you're concussed, you just you stay off, and that's the end of it. You you can't come back on. I exactly what I was going to say. I think if there's well, I mean, if you're concussed, that happens. I think it's a four-week minimum. But even if you have to go off for a concussion assessment, I think that's it. Now, sorry, this is what I was going to say about um, this is what I was going to say about the NFL and why I think it's worrying for rugby players, professional rugby players in particular. We are going down a situation where we've got a salary cap. So obviously there's only a certain amount of mm-hmm. money you have to spend on players. In the NFL, if you miss a certain amount of games, that's a big black mark on your on your CV for the next team. So they'll say, um, we don't want to sign this player because last year he only had two games playing and he's injured the rest of it. He's obviously injury prone. And same with concussions. If you have a big concussion... Um, they might not t- take you on because all they can see is a you know a concussion case waiting to happen. You've used up some of their salary cap and you've used up a, a you know a, a a potential spot on on that squad. Now rugby's got to be careful that they don't make the incentives as such or the disincentives to say, coach, I've got a concussion because when that player moves on, the next team might not want that want that player because. You know he's a concussion risk. Or what? What if you build your team around a fly half who gets who gets knocked out? 
I think that's where they've got to tread very, very carefully. I, I just want to finish on this one point from uh, football because I, I think this story again... 40. I think this footy, the World Cup just a couple of weeks away, I think this story gives us even more reason to feel proud, even though the, the eyes of the sporting world are going to be on the Football World Cup in Brazil. And even I will be very much taking an interest. I, I like this story, which came out today uh, as we record this podcast. And it says, England manager Roy Hodgson has told his players to show pride for their country at the World Cup by singing the national anthem. Roy Hodgson has told his players <laughs> they must sing the national anthem. I don't like this. I don't like this one bit, you know, because footballers are very, um, they're very vain. A lot of them are idiots, granted. But I know where they're coming from here. I know where they're coming from because I would not want to be on TV being recorded singing. Uh, for, no, for, for no amount of money. We're not talking X Factor here, No, I just don't want anyone's here. I, I can understand it 100%. If you looked at, as long as you're crying, I, I'll give you this. You can sing or you can cry, right? You can't get away with doing neither, but you can get away with not singing. You can just cry. But come on, there's something special when you see, when you see the way Jamie Heaslip belts out the Irish national anthem or Phil Vickery, the way he used to, like you say, his lip would quiver as he sang and he, was, he didn't care who was listening. He just sang it out as loud yeah, as he sure could. Yeah, but I'm sure did Lawrence Lowe sing or did he just cry? Oh, he did both. I'm not sure. No, no, Lawrence Delaney used to have a grimace. He sang as loud as he could. He didn't give a damn what, what anyone there's thought There's a lot of Welsh boys like. that don't sing. I've noticed that. They just stand there. And I don't think there's anything wrong with taking in the atmosphere and just, well, basically not singing. And I understand it 100%. In fact, I think it's a, it's a stupid thing to say by, by Roy Hodgson because it puts more pressure on them. They don't want to be thinking about, you know... It, but it's the same. It, it's my tone uh, F minor. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's 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 pamper millionaires in that in that way as well because there's there's loads of football teams that will be turning up at the World Cup getting a no nookie ban whilst huh? they're there. It's just like these these are grown men. They're they're adults, oh, and I just think cares? just let them do what they want to do, and they're there to do elite performances. Like Clive, I, I like listening to Clive Woodward. He was at the time a breath of fresh air as a head coach because he basically said, uh, you know, I treat my players like 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 men and uh, and I trust them and I they're not going to let me down so that, yeah if they want families to come and stay with them that's fine if they want to there was a story about Gavin Henson and god I hope this is true but the story was um, Gareth Jenkins remember him yeah the ill-fated yeah. Welsh coach from not last World Cup the World Cup before uh, when they went on a tour to Australia his big thing was team building so he got there and basically said I might have told this story before uh and they got there and he said, right, I don't want to see you for 48 was Andy, hours. Was Andy Powell in this squad? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Um, I don't want to see you for 48 hours, meaning go out, have a good time, bond, get pissed, uh, come back. Um, but you have to be back for, for 10 o'clock for your aqua, aqua aerobic session or your, your, like your, your pool fitness session. Nobody saw Gavin Henson for 48 hours and he was late for the aqua um, aerobics thing. And one of the coaches said, get in the pool now. So he did. In his suit. I completed the whole session in his suit. <laughs> Please, God, be true. Oh, wow. Does that make you love him just that little bit more? Oh, I, I, absolutely. Maybe the fantastic four that Murad Bujalal was I on about. Like, was Andy Good, Jack Berger, Charlie Hodgson and uh, Gavin Henson. I feel when it comes to Gavin Henson, I feel like Cer- Cersei Lannister protecting Joffrey. <laughs> if anyone hasn't got to that stage of uh, Game He dies, he dies. <laughs> He gets poisoned his own wedding, he dies. In fact, on that, I want to go home and watch the latest episode, Ooh, season uh, four, episode eight. I want to go home and watch that one. I know what happens one. in that one too. Do you? Yeah, do you want me to tell you? 
no <laughs> I really don't uh, but thank you very much for listening hopefully Phil will be released from Her Majesty's Pleasure by the next podcast I, I hope so I miss him I, I'm, I'm worried for him either that or maybe the rumours are true and he is part of a the, the, the prison thing is actually just a little hoax and he is actually part of it's a, not a hoax part of a, robo- a, a plan to rebuild his body using advanced robotic technology <laughs> <laughs> we'll see but uh, at Rugby Podcast, you can get in touch with us. And yeah, give us, if there's anything you want us to do over the off season, it's going to be a little bit of a... Yeah, we can preview the Rubber Pro 12 for next season. Yeah, well, we can go in depth on individual clubs. We can get into... Well, we have got a feature coming up soon. And what we need for this is we need fans, big fans of certain teams. Because I kind of loosely aligned to, to Exeter, but I'm very, very fickle. I don't think you have a team, do you, Tim? No, no. I've been criticised for this, going, oh, can you say you like rugby and no, not, not, listen, not yeah. have a team? Uh, uh, if you ever listen to football fans, that's, why, that's when you'll understand that, uh, why you don't have a team. Well, and no, I don't, the reason I don't have a team is because I've always followed the team my brother plays for. So, yeah, at, oh, the, okay. at, the, moment, so you do have a team. at the moment, I support London Irish. When he was uh, at Sale Sharks, I supported Sale Sharks. And, when he, uh, and if I have a soft spot for anyone, it's Bath, because I used to go and watch them when I was a kid. Yeah, I have a soft spot for Bath because it's a very nice place, and that's it. Um, and, I, and I lived there for seven years as well. No, they are. Anyway. Uh, t- um, Phil, if he ever comes back, doesn't have a team. So what we need is basically we've got a fan-free agency type, type, yeah. type situation here, where we want you to pitch for, pitch for, Phil's, for Phil's fandom. That's a great idea, because you kind of Exeter Chiefs. Yeah. You, you, you Big Exeter Chief. I've never been to, to Exeter. But big extra chief fun. Exactly. But Phil is a free agent. Yeah. So we need... Um, I mean, it, it can be a team from anywhere. Prefer- preferably the Aviva. If you're a top salesman, if you're a salesman like, uh, I, I don't know, um, Be- uh, Belfort off uh, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, <laughs> feel free to try and sell the, sell the Rabo Pro 12. Um, or maybe something else. I think lower league. Yeah. Maybe you could... Uh, you could- like in a in Nigel Farage fashion, you could get him to to go with a, a less fashionable and put his put his faith in something less fashionable. I don't and know more, what you're talking about. Tim. In How the margins. dare you? How dare you, <laughs> you Eurocrat? Right. Anyway, listen. At Rugby Podcast, you can get in touch with us there, and uh, and hopefully, like I say, we'll get Phil back for a future podcast. But nice one, JB. Cheers. Oh, I was going to say Phil, Tim. That's all right. In a bit. Bye. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.